Well, throughout the years, it seems that Christmas preparation and Christmas traditions have changed over time. Like my grandma, my grandma about this season, right as soon as Thanksgiving was over, grandma would start baking. She'd bake cookies, she'd bake pies, she would bake any sort of breads, and she would take the entire Christmas season to share these gifts that she labored over with her family, her neighbors, and her friends. That's how grandma prepared for Christmas. My mom and my sister, they preferred to decorate. As soon as Thanksgiving was over, they'd bring out the Christmas tree and oh, the tinsel. My sister loves tinsel. And they used to make those paper chains, you know what I'm talking about, where you rip one piece of chain off every single day that leads up to Christmas and then they'd string popcorn. They would spend hours stringing popcorn for the tree. Gretchen, Gretchen started a different tradition in our house to where she gives the, the boys, even the older ones, uh, an advent calendar. And every time you pop open a day and you get a truth about advent, the coming of Christ, and underneath that little pop-up is a little piece of chocolate. <laughs> and every day they go through, they get a little truth of advent, a little bit of chocolate. Wonder, maybe you're here, it's like, oh, that's a great idea. You know what, Brian, we don't really have any traditions in our home. And so I want to share this one with you. We have Advent Blocks, and this is something our family ministries team has come up with. And it's a creative way for you to interact with your kids and your grandkids about the coming of Jesus. Starting on December 1st, it gives you a chance to interact with them, an activity for them to do, and it just gives one aspect. It allows you a chance to get into their hearts and their minds and help them understand the true meaning of Christmas. Those are out in the lobby area after service if you want to look in, look into those. But uh, regardless of what your tradition is, whether you're a baker whether you're a decorator, whether you're a chocolatier, whether you're an advent blocker, there's one thing that seems to transcend every generation in preparation for Christmas, and that's music. Christmas music seems to transcend generations, and, and so I was able to come up with a top 10 Christmas list of all time from Spotify. Now... <laughs> This is going to drive some of you crazy, and it will maybe excite some of you, but according to Spotify, this is the top 10 streamed Christmas songs of all time. Number 10, Frank Sinatra, Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow, right? That's a good one. Look at number nine, Band-Aid, Do They Know It's Christmas? Anyone know that song? All right, no, right? I had to look it up. Uh, so this is a band that they got everyone together to raise uh, funds for a famine in Ethiopia back in the 80s, right? So if you don't know that, do they know it's Christmas? I was listening to it this morning because I had to remember who Band-Aid was. Bobby Helms, Jingle Bell Rock. I used to play that in band. Number seven, Brenda Lee, Rocking Around the Christmas Tree, right? Number six, Andy Williams, it's the most wonderful time of the year, right? Here's where it starts getting a little annoying. Look at number five, oh. Justin Bieber. 
I mean, how could Justin Bieber make the top 10 all-time Christmas music? Justin Bieber singing mistletoe. Number four, Michael Buble. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Number three, Ariana Grande. Oh, my word. Santa, tell me. I don't even know if I've ever heard that song, and I never want to. Number two, Wham. You remember Wham? I had forgotten about Wham. It's like last Christmas. Okay. And okay. And here's where it's going to, here's where it's going to get really irritating. Number one, Mariah Carey. All I want for Christmas is you. Now, according to Spotify, that's the top 10 music hits of all time. But here's my goal in this series. My goal in this next series is I want to add five to your Christmas list. Five songs that are immortalized in Scripture. Five songs that through the power of the Holy Spirit and the spontaneity and the power of the moment of the first Advent announcements, there were five songs that just sprung from people's hearts that fill us with truth and remind us of the power of what we're here to celebrate, the coming of Jesus, the advent, the coming of the Messiah. If you want to know the first song, the song of Zacharias, if you want to really understand the power of that song, you have to go back and really understand and remember the story. And so if you have your Bibles, I'd love to remind you of it. The Gospel of Luke, third book of the New Testament. If you have your Bibles, you can join me in there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke chapter 1. While you're turning there, let me tell you a little bit about Zacharias and his wife, Elizabeth. They're described in scripture as being faithful and righteous in the sight of God. And that's pretty important to say because you have to understand the culture. See, it had been 400 years of prophetic silence. And as a result, there were some of those who had lost hope in the promise of the Messiah. The religious leaders were steeped in tradition and there were even some religious leaders who were buried in corruption. Herod the Great at the time was a tyrant. Everything wasn't going great for Zacharias and Elizabeth as they were childless and they had to go through all the snickers and the sneers of what people would say about them because that was seen at that time as being a judgment of God. But in the midst of all of that struggle, in the midst of their own kooky culture, Zacharias and Elizabeth were faithful and righteous in the eyes of God. And that's where we pick up the story. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 8. It says, Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, He, Zacharias, was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zacharias. For your prayer, your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. You'll have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will drink no wine, no liquor. 
He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of righteousness so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know this for certain? For I'm an old man. My wife's advanced in years. Don't you like that? He said, I'm old. My wife, I can't call her old. She's advanced. She's well seasoned. Right? Even back then, they didn't know what to say. Verse 19, (laughs) the angel answered and said to him, I'm Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring this good news. And behold, remember when you see those words, behold, circle it, behold, surprise. You will be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place because you did not believe my words, which would be fulfilled in their proper time. So Zacharias right there, almost like a chance meeting, he's there giving an offering to the Lord. An angel come and tells him that not only is the Messiah coming, but his son that will be miraculously born will be the forerunner, the announcer, the coming of the Messiah. And Zacharias can't believe it. Right? And we judge Zacharias. Don't you have this? Don't you make prayers to the Lord confident that he has the power to do so? But You're surprised when he chooses to answer, right? We'll jump ahead in the story. Elizabeth conceived, just as Gabriel said. Zacharias was unable to speak. Throughout the nine months that Elizabeth was pregnant, that's where we pick up the story. Let's jump ahead to verse 57. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth and she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors, her relatives heard that the Lord had displayed his great mercy towards her and they were rejoicing with her. And it happened that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they were going to call him Zacharias after his father. That's what everybody does. We're going to call him Junior. But his mother answered and said, no, indeed, he will be called John. Verse 61, they said to her, there's no one among your relatives who's called John. Verse 62, they made signs to his father as to what he wanted him called. Hey, Zacharias, your wife went crazy. What do you want your son called? And he asked for a tablet and wrote as follows. His name is John. And they were all astonished. They were shocked. They were dumbfounded. Verse 64, and at once his mouth was opened. As soon as he declared His name is John. His mouth was open, his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak in praise of God. Fear came on all those living around them, and all these matters were being talked about in all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them kept in mind, saying, what then will this child turn out to be? Man, there's got to be something special about this boy because of how God orchestrated all the events for the hand of the Lord was certainly with him. And after that story, after God orchestrated everything, after nine months of Zacharias unable to proclaim what God had told him, after nine months of being unable to celebrate the blessing of God with the birth of his son and the message of the coming of the Messiah, after nine months of holding all of this in and after being filled by the Holy Spirit, our first song of Advent 
was born. The song of Zacharias, a prophetic song sprung from a joyous heart inspired by the Holy Spirit. And that's the first song I want to share with you. But before we do that, I want to talk about our uh, sermon booklets that we do every, every new series. We design these booklets for you because we believe that, uh, well, for two reasons. Number one, we want you to have a spot. And just in case I say something great that you want to remember, you have a spot to write it down. But more importantly, we believe if you truly want to grow in the image of Jesus, it takes more than 30, 40 minutes on a Sunday. It takes time throughout the week to allow the truth of God to wash through your life, transform your heart little by little. And so we create these booklets for you. It not only gives you some, some greater depths and introductory material, but it gives you questions, hoping that you'll go through them either on your own at your lunch period after work, or, or you can uh, do, go through them with your family, your neighbors, your small groups. If you want to go through them, but you have no one to go through them with, you can join Pastor Jeff in my class. Wednesday nights, we meet here in the sanctuary, 7 o'clock. We try to get through uh, some of those questions. The study guide comes in three format. Number one, it comes in the print format, and uh, they were at the table as you came in, but I know there's always those people who don't get one as they come in and wish they had one. And so for today, some of our leaders are ready to pass those out to you. If you would like a print copy of the uh, study guide, you didn't get one, just raise your hand loud and proud. I will not call you out unless you're the pastor's wife. <laughs> then... It's like every time, every time. Good job, babe. Keep your, keep your hand up and a booklet will come to you. If you're like, Brian, I don't need something else to carry around. You can also download the entire PDF format on our webpage. Just go to cvcchurch.org and look for the series study guide tab. Click on that. You can download it. Um, if you're like, Brian, that seems like a lot of work. I just wish you could just give it to me piece by piece, week by week. That's no problem. Just download the Chino Valley Community Church app. Click on the sermon tab down at the bottom. And every week, we'll not only give you the sermon notes and the introductory information, but also the questions. And we'll give those to you week by week. Three formats and ways that you can utilize that study guide, again, in hopes that you will spend more time than just Sundays listening to the word of the Lord, but you'll allow it to penetrate your heart and change your life Monday through Saturday as well. Now, let's get back to the song of Zacharias and his song of hope. Here's how it begins. Look at verse 67. Text continues, says, and his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, here's where it begins, verse 68, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us. Blessed be, that term blessed, praise God, glory to God. I lift up the name of God. All the first thing that he says, hallelujah, praise God. Why? Look at what he says. Praise God, lift him up, for he has visited us. A term visited, a term describes someone who returned to a location out of concern. Zacharias breaks into this inspired Christmas song because he knows that God has returned to his people. And the idea of this, I want to make sure you catch it because there's another time in the Old Testament 
where God visited his people. There was a time in the Old Testament where people began to wonder if God had forgotten them, if God had abandoned them, if God had just lost control. As way back in Exodus, if you remember, people of God were enslaved by the Egyptians. For generations, they cried out to God for deliverance. And they never heard anything. But then this happened. And Moses and Aaron went and assembled all the elders of the sons of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses. He then performed the signs in the sight of the people. So the people believed. And when they had heard that the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, They then bowed low and worshiped. That term, concerned about, in the Greeks, the same term that Zacharias uses in this song. They're saying, I thought God had forgotten us. We didn't know that God had visited us out of concern for our plight, out of concern for our condition, out of concern to who we are and what we're going through. He says, praise the Lord God of Israel for he has visited us. He has seen our affliction. He has come back to us out of concern. And why is that a big deal? Because the rest of the song focuses on three powerful truths. Three powerful reasons why Zacharias was excited about Advent. First one is found at the end of verse 68. It says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us. That term redemption describes someone being liberated, rescued, or set free by paying a price. And look at the text. He said that he had already accomplished it. It's as good as finished. It's as good as completed. It's as good as done. Zacharias is celebrating. God visited us. And the first thing he did is he accomplished redemption. He has liberated us. He has rescued us. He has set us free. He has paid our ransom for our freedom. It's as good as done. And look how he describes it. Verse 69, he says, he raised up a horn of salvation that horn of salvation known as a shofar. And they would blow it for two reasons. The first reason they do it to declare war. The second reason was to announce freedom. Zacharias is celebrating after nine months of holding it all in, after nine months of being unable to share the good news of what God gave him through Gabriel at that moment. He said, the first thing, God visited us. He accomplished redemption. He has waged war against those people who are enslaving us, who are holding us down, who are keeping us captive. And most people believe that the first thing that popped in Zacharias' mind was Rome. That the Messiah was going to come and free them from the tyranny and the oppression of Rome But you got to remember, he was not only Zacharias, a priest, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And although he did have in mind more than likely Rome, he also knew it was more than a political freedom, but a spiritual freedom. Turn the page, if your Bible's like mine, to verse 77. 
We're going to jump ahead and listen to what he says. He's describing the message that John, his son, who will become known as John the Baptist, will give. Look at verse 77. He says, he will give his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of God. See, Zacharias knows that this is more than just a political thing. And this is a spiritual thing. The knowledge of salvation, the awareness of deliverance, an understanding of rescue, an acquaintance with the truth that God has plucked them out of the brokenness of their life and placed them in a position of honor. See, that is salvation. Salvation isn't just a payment. It's not just a ransom. But it's also a placement in a position of honor, power, and opportunity. How do you get that? Look at this. It says, by the forgiveness of their sins, through the pardon from the guilt of people, through a release from the consequences of their wickedness. Zacharias is celebrating that the Messiah, God has visited us and he is going to accomplish redemption. He is going to pay. He's going to forgive our sins. And look at how big a deal this is. Look what Paul said in Romans. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And look at Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And look at the last thing Zechariah says. Why is all this available? That he's going to come and give the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. Why is God doing that? Look at that, verse 78. Because... Because of the tender mercy of our God. That term, tender mercy, the core of God's emotion is to offer you goodwill. The heart of God is being to show you compassion and pity. It's God's heart, it's God's desire that no man perish, but everyone have eternal life. Zacharias is celebrating. Listen, this is what's going to be made known to everybody. That God has visited us and he's accomplished redemption. He has brought knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. Why? Because of God's heart and love for you. My question to you. Do you ever wonder why so many people celebrate Christmas with such passion and excitement? When they gather family together, it's because it's a day where we remember the tender mercies of God. His heart for you, his heart for me, his heart for Zacharias and those people back then. Zacharias in this euphoric inspired song, after nine months of holding it in, he breaks out into this spontaneous song, number one, celebrating that God has visited, God has remembered, God has come back and he has accomplished redemption. But he's done more than that. He's also fulfilled his promise. He came, he visited, he returned out of concern, number one, to accomplish redemption, number two, to fulfill his promise. Look at, we'll keep going, verse 70. 
says, as he spoke to the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy toward our fathers and remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham, our father. uh, Zechariah said, I'm celebrating, number one, that God accomplished redemption, but number two, he came to fulfill a promise. A promise he made to Abraham and a promise he repeated through the prophets. Let me remind you of some of those. Genesis 12, look at what he said to Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house to the land which I'll show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and so you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Abraham, I'm gonna do something special in you. And I'm going to do something special through you and through your family that will bless everybody. Let's continue. Here's one of the prophecies. Look at the prophecy of Isaiah 9. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace continues on the throne of David over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. There will come a time when the power of God will judge, will lead. Look at Micah, Micah 5. But it's for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Another powerful truth that Zacharias is celebrating. Number one, that God returned. He visited. He remembered us. He came to us out of concern. And the first thing he did is he accomplished redemption. The second thing he did was he came to fulfill his promises. One of the things Pastor Jeff seems to work into just about every conversation is this truth that God is a God of promise-making and promise-keeping God. Man, if you need to understand more about who God is, you need to understand he is a promise-making but a promise-keeping God. You know what? If that If God would return and keep his promise to Abraham and to all those prophets, why won't God keep his promises to you? That's what I love about what Paul says in Romans 8. Put your thumb in Luke for a minute. Flip over to the right a few books. Romans chapter 8. I bring you here often, but it's because I think it's an important truth. I want you to know where it is in your Bible. Romans 8, 31. Look at what Paul says. Romans 8, 31. He says, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. 
How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? Go on to verse 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, this first song of Advent, a song of Zacharias, a song of hope, For a man and wife who were hopeless in some aspect of their life, who lived in a culture where many just gave up on the care and provision of God, where the leadership, the religious leadership, were too steeped in tradition or corruption to be about the work of God, where their political climate was crazy just like ours, where there is division among the people. And it's at that point that Zacharias had this encounter with God where he heard that Advent was coming, the coming of the Messiah. And after nine months of him being unable to share his heart, to celebrate the news, to proclaim what God had said, after he had to hold that in for nine months, Finally, when his mouth was opened, he erupted into this inspired prophetic song about three powerful truths of Advent. Advent's important because in it, God accomplished redemption. Number two, God fulfilled his promise. And here's the third. Because of Advent, it granted a role for you and for me. Let's look at how we finished. Let's get back to Luke. Verse 74, he says this, to grant us that we being rescued from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. Zechariah says, you want to know the third thing that God accomplished when he visited us? He not only accomplished redemption, fulfilled his promise, but because of those, he granted us, he gave us, he appointed, he made possible a role for us. It granted us that being rescued from the hand of our enemies, we might serve him. That term serve, it means to worship, to perform our religious duty, to do what we've been called to do. This is the great news. Serving God is a blessing. Zacharias sees it and says, now everyone gets to be a part of serving and being a part of the kingdom of God. And look how he describes it. You might serve him, number one, without fear, without worry of failure, without doubt of strength or power. You can serve God with confidence and boldness, knowing that even in times of need and help, you can go boldly to the throne of God. That's what Hebrews tells us. Zachariah says, this is what I'm celebrating. We now, because of Advent, we have this ability to serve God without fear. Look at verse 75, in holiness and righteousness. Before him all our days, because of Advent, God has made a way for us to serve him all of our days without fear, without worry of judgment, without concern. And look at this, in holiness and righteousness. And you might say, Brian, I don't feel holy. I don't feel righteous. 
Well, here's the good news. In the Greek, this isn't something that you have aspired. This isn't something that describes what you have attained. This describes what God has given to you. It's in the holiness and righteousness that God has given to you. Zacharias celebrates and says, listen, for nine months I've been holding this in. I've been waiting for an opportunity. And finally, God opened my mouth and he just breaks out into this euphoric, spontaneous, but inspired prophetic message announcing why we need to be celebrating Advent even still today, the coming of the Messiah. Number one, in it, God accomplished redemption. He has paid your ransom. He has brought you peace with him. Number two, he has fulfilled his promise. And if God fulfills his promises throughout scripture, why won't he fulfill his promise for you? And thirdly, he has made a way for you to serve him without fear. And holiness and righteousness that he provides. Let's keep going. Verse 76. And then Zechariah starts talking to his child and you child will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God with which the sun rises from on high will visit us to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death and look at the power of this message to guide our feet into the way of peace. A term guide means to remove all hurdles or barriers to straighten the path that is otherwise crooked. Man, the good news of Advent, the coming of Jesus, what he has come to accomplish, redemption in your life, to prepare a way, to make an opportunity for you to serve him. Zacharias describes that this work of God removes all the hurdles, all the barriers, all the boundaries makes a crooked path straight so you can have peace. Again, that peace is, means far more than just an absence of hostility, but a freedom from worry that comes with a completely restored relationship. You might be thinking, well, Brian, if that's a prophetic message for John, who would become John the Baptist, what's that mean for us? See, I see a similar I believe a similar message proclamation has been given to you. Look at Acts 1.8. Right before Jesus ascended to heaven, Jesus looked at his disciples and said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Today we begin our celebration of Advent with one of my favorite songs of Christmas, the song of Zechariah. It's a song that was birthed out of nine months of waiting. It's a song that spontaneously erupted once he experienced the freedom of the mercy of God. And it's an inspired message because it came from a man who was filled with the Holy Spirit And it reminds the three powerful truths of Advent. The coming of Jesus. The coming of Jesus accomplishes redemption for you and for me. Fulfills a promise and reminds us that God is a promise-making, promise-keeping God. And third, it grants a role for his people to proclaim the powerful reality 
of who Jesus is. So it's tradition to light a candle. The first candle of Advent, the candle of hope. And it serves as a reminder of the hope we have because God visited his people out of concern for them. And when God visited his people, he brought redemption. He fulfilled his promise. And he made a way for you to serve Jesus without fear in holiness and righteousness for the remainder of your days. I guess my question for you is, have you received the hope of Advent? Have you accepted the redemption of Christ? Have you received peace with God? If you haven't, I'd love to lead you in a prayer where you can receive that today. For the rest of you who say, Brian, I already already know this. I celebrate Advent. I love the hope of what Jesus brought. My question is, then who do you need to share the hope of Jesus with? One person in your family, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school, in your friends. One person who doesn't know the hope that was announced to Zechariah so many years ago and the hope that we remember today. Let's pray. Father is a church. God, many of us are here because we love to celebrate the truth of this season. God, what you did 2,000 years ago, when once again you visited your people out of concern and you announced the coming of the Messiah, God, to a people who were lost in darkness. For many who had given up hope. God, what you announced that day changed everything. God, for those of us who know you. God, for those of us who have already accepted your gift of salvation. God, I pray you remind us of the truth that you shared with Zacharias so many years ago. God, may you fill us with the joy and the excitement and the anticipation. May you give us those exact same feelings that you gave to Zacharias. And God, as we go through our lives over the next month, may we joyously proclaim the goodness of your message. God, we pray you just give us one person. One person we can share it with. One person we can talk to. One person who is hopeless in their life, who is broken in their soul, who needs hope of restoration with you. God, give us one name that we can share this song with. God, for those people here, those people online, who want to experience the joy and the celebration that Zacharias did, 
God, I pray you open their ears and allow them to hear your voice, your invitation. God, open their eyes that they can see you as I do. They would understand their opportunity to have peace with you. God, I pray you open their heart and give them humility and courage as they share their brokenness, as they admit their need for you. God, as they repent of their failures. And God, I pray that you would hear them as you've promised. That Jesus, you would forgive them of all their failures and all their sins. You'd give them a peace that is beyond human comprehension. As you give them your Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that you gave to Zacharias. God, may you give to them. will lead them and guide them in the paths of their life for your name's sake. You fill their life with joy and confidence of all that you're doing in and through their lives. God, we pray throughout this series, God, remind us of the powerful message of this season. God, protect us from being bored because of the familiarity of the stories. Restore in us an awe and a celebration of the truth. God, to get that together, you might bind us closer together and closer to you. God, that we might be a brighter reflection of who you are as a result. We pray everything in Jesus' name. Amen.